Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Okay, so this morning we're just going to have a little conversation. Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His word that is bringing to us. Um, when you become a Christian, how do you know you are really a Christian? Because these days, many people actually go by the name Christian, but they're actually not Christians. So they thought they are Christians because one day the pastor preached and there was an emotional atmosphere and the pastor says if you want to give your life uh, just raise up your hand and they raise up their hands so they thought that that singular act made them Christians actually that singular act is a confession of something that should happen so if it did happen then it's true but if it didn't happen then you're actually living a lie you are actually living every day feeling like you're a Christian, but you are actually not a Christian. Some, some even worse than that, some never knew the day when that happened. When there was a conscious effort like, I'm going to change my life. There's no day that they can point to and say, this was the day I began to walk with God. So, how are you a Christian if you never started being a Christian? You're not born a Christian. No one is born a Christian. You can born into a Christian home, but you're not a Christian because Christianity is about relationship with God. It was Keith Green who used to say, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Like because you go to McDonald's, you feel like a hamburger because you... No, you are in McDonald's, but are you a hamburger? You are in church, but does that mean you are a Christian? You are around the church things, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are a Christian. So what works in many people's lives is this word called presumption. You presume that you are a Christian because you have some good character or because you do some things. Right. And that's why this morning this is not the kind of discussion that you have that people start shouting and jumping from chandelier to chandelier you know there's some kind of discussion that you know i used to preach good back in the day and i used to have those kind of preaching when i preach and everybody would just be like high like whoa man the whole atmosphere would be pumped but then i discovered that it was entering this ear and going out this ear that's why our nation is not changed. We're like a church of hype. A church where, and then, of course, there are extremes. There are those people who are sad and, and dry and everything about their Christianity is, is, is boring. Then there are those people who are on a high. It's a roll. You understand? All the time, they're just hyped up and it's actually more about performance. So, 
generally the pastor is a man who understands alliteration you know what alliteration is every word ends with i-o-n you are the generation the holy immunization of the powerful nation of give me some other ones t-i-o-n ends with t-i-o-n generation yes or the cultivation or the proportion of the federation of what conviction okay yeah <laughs> presumption <laughs> so the whole thing just generates energy everybody just gets whoa this man can you know this man can happen like he can he can perform in the end is actually just what it is performance and we can get blessed by performance don't get me wrong performance are great you know sometimes you need like comedy some of the comedians are really good they lift you up but it doesn't change anything in you the difference between Christianity and any other work of faith is that the Bible says we all we are with an open face are beholding the glory of God and we are being changed from glory to glory Christianity is about journey it's about transformation it's about every day as you look you change as you look you change as you look you change as you go to church you change as you worship with other believers you change as you learn you know so that was what i was talking about on, on thursday when i was saying that some people have remained the same every year that is why i want to talk to you this morning about convictions convictions is what drives real change so let's go on so this morning living by conviction make sure you live by conviction. So these are these are like our key elements. It's pronounced conviction, conviction, and it means a firmly held belief. Let's all say it together. Another synonym for it: belief, thought. Persuasion, idea, position, stance. The opposites are claims, uncertain perceptions, presumption, half-perceived side of the story. So, every day we face questions. When you go through life, Life is a bunch of questions you ask yourself. Like, here are some questions, right? Should I do a master's degree or should I work? How many of you have asked yourself that question before? Right. Should I let go? Should I hold on to my fiance and fiance or should I let go of them? How many of you have asked that question? This relationship, I mean. Should I continue? Should I marry this person or should I not? You've asked that question before. All of you pretenders. 
<laughs> Where should I leave? Should I travel abroad or should I stay in Nigeria? How many have asked that question before? Should I work for someone? Should I take a job? You asked that question before. Should I build or should I rent? Someone said, I haven't reached to ask that question yet. <laughs> These are life questions. What other questions are there that you ask yourself? Do you understand? Should I live in Lagos? Should I... Yeah. Or Abuja? Yeah. <laughs> you ask yourself that one. <laughs> we ask ourselves questions every day. Life is a set of questions that we ask ourselves. How do we figure this out? What drives this? So, many people now to answer these questions propel their reaction from these dimensions. One is emotion. Some people drive their decision making from fear. You know, because they are afraid. So, they, what drives that real action is fear. So, because they are afraid, they do something else. Or they don't do anything because they are afraid. And when you don't do anything, part of not doing anything is actually making a decision. Because you decide not to do anything. That in itself is a decision. Do you understand? If someone says, you want to date me? And you say, let me think about it. That answer is good for how long? <laughs> what you want to name three days, right? <laughs> okay, so let's. How long can we give someone who says, "Okay, yeah, let me think about it." How long, you guys? No time. No time. <laughs> right. Sorry. Three months. But but how long can we say the person has answered by saying no? How long before we now walk away and say? Because some sisters will be like, you know, the guy said, you know, like, do you like me? Should we go out? And I said, let me think about it. Let me pray about it, you know. And then after six months, the guy started talking to another person. And you're like, but he just asked me yesterday, like... <laughs> Six months is, is bad, right? So, by fearing to act, you actually acted. Do you understand? So, some of us act out of happiness. You come to a place, the place is super happy. And because of that, you jump into a decision. Some of us act out of sorrow. You know, someone said, my dad died. And I was just so distressed. And the girl was around. So I slept with her. I didn't know what I was doing. I acted out of sorrow. <laughs> so everyone was saying, mm. <laughs> Some act out of courage. Someone told me that anytime he sees something that looks like he's something that he's supposed to be afraid of, he will just do it. So I will look like a courageous person. Do you understand? Just the antithesis, antithesis of fear is what drives what he does. Just so that it would look like he's not afraid. So once he's fearing it, he has to do it. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're right. All of those are all 
propelled actions from emotions. Some people, it's data. Give me raw data. What are the statistics? How many people have done it before and made it? You know how many of you are like buyers? Buyers on online. You shop online. Yeah? So, and you, and you read the reviews. Oh man, my, my, I have a friend. He always kills me with the review. Like, oh, you know how many on Amazon? You know how many people have said this thing is product is powerful. We must buy it for the company. I'm like, no, we don't have to buy it. We can't buy all the good things. <laughs> Because of data, some people analyze, they do regression analysis. They say, a friend of mine I had, he wanted to marry someone. And the things that have the biggest love on the internet. Cats, dogs. You won't believe it. <laughs> and babies. Babies laughing can get you a million views. Twins. Eye, eye candy. Do you, you understand? Some people act on the basis of instinct. Some people act on the basis of judgment. Experience. They make the best judgment from experience, from what they have seen, from what their environment says. In some kind of way, they are reactionary. So let's say somebody cheated them once. They will never permit themselves to be cheated again. So what propels their action is not conviction still. Exactly all of this. Are this wrong? Question. Are this things wrong? Answer. Yeah. Yes. What did you say? Depending. Who said that? You said that. Depending on what? Depend on the person's background. Or depending on the context, right? Right? So this themselves, these in themselves are not wrong, but they're not enough. They're just not enough. So these can be triggers because God uses all of this. God uses all of this. He can use anything. And because of that, he uses any of this sometimes. And sometimes he's not there at all. Sometimes our carnal nature. Let's know where action comes from. Your actions can come from God, which is spiritually inspired. Action can come from yourself, your human will. Every one of us has a human will. You have what you want to do and what you don't want to do. That is a foundation for action. And action can come from somewhere else as well. Environment it can be environmentally conditioned. The place where you are, you know. Let me give an example. First time my brother was arrested and kept in the police cell. So I asked him, what was it like? He said, when you enter the police cell, you will see like the toilet there. And you see people sitting down comfortably in the police cell. You see some place that, like warms and dirty water, really, really bad stench. And the first thing you decide is that I'm never going to sit down here until and everybody's sitting down and just watching you. All the <laughs> you can do four hours standing. After a while, 
Maybe you go down on your knees. I don't know how to do that. He said, no, but he advised himself to sit down. And then the people said, hmm. They just say, hmm, like, have you sat down now? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> After a while, the environment conditions you. Have you ever seen a movie star, Angelina Jolie, in an African country, along with the tribes people, and she doesn't look that different? She doesn't look like that star that she is. The environment shapes what we do. So, every time when the word of God comes, every time when we hear God, if you haven't asked yourself, what must I do? Chances are you have a heart of stone. After every, every message, you don't check yourself and say, how is this affecting me? You have a heart of stone. Do you understand? So who are proud about their heart of stone? Like, yeah, I have a heart of stone. They are not easily convinced. You know, you have to. It's not a good thing. God wants you to journey. As Christians, to learn how to journey with God and change. You suppose when they heard the message, they were caught to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So number one thing about all faith is to know God. Saying number one thing is to know God. And number two is to believe. And number three is to do. Know, believe, and do. Know, believe, and do. Christianity is very simple. If you break it down to this, many people cannot walk with God because they don't know Him. How can you walk with someone you don't know? How many people... Do you understand? They don't know God. They don't understand this concept of God. They don't know how how He walks, whether He is... Whether he loves them, they don't know. Know God. Believe. Believe in his love. Believe in his fatherhood. Believe in the sacrifice he paid for you. And then do. Let's repeat again. Know, believe, do. I'm trying to make it simple. Like real simple principles. So now let's go into... How can I know? How can I believe? How can I do? How can I be sure that that which I know is is true? How can I be sure that that which I believe is the accurate thing? How can I be sure that Christianity is the main one? You know, my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter went to school one day and came back from school and said, Daddy, and said, they they just taught them Islamic studies. And said, Dad, what if Muhammad is the way? And Jesus is not the way. And she was looking longingly in my eyes to tell her the reason. And don't forget, this is going to be her first first encounter with with someone she trusts to convince her otherwise. And if I flippantly flip on the topic, what will happen? She She won't believe me. 
Do you guys understand this? So part of the reason why we must know is because we won't be able to tell it convincingly except we know. We won't be able to stand on it except we know. We won't be able to convince anyone about it except we really know. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? No, no. That Jesus is the way. How do you know? How do you form that knowledge? How do you come about that knowledge? The knowledge is imparted by the Spirit. But what is the position? We all know that the Holy Spirit will teach us. The Holy Spirit will tell our spirits. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit. But what is the position of our spirit to receive that teaching and to be impacted with that knowledge? One of the ways to know God is to jump over presumption. Don't presume. So, there's a lie going around that Christians don't need to do anything. That it is finished. It is finished. But listen to me, it is also not finished. Sounds like heresy because Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. But there's a lie going around. Someone play some music. There's a lie going around saying that, oh, I don't need to pray. I don't need to worship. I don't need to go to church because you go to church doesn't mean you're more holy than me. Have you heard that before? You know, unbelievers, when you want to preach to them, they just say to you, like, I may not carry a Bible, right? I may not carry a Bible all the time, but don't think like you're holier than me because I'm not carrying a Bible. I don't carry God on my head like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all the time, but really, I'm, I'm not a bad guy. I, I'm a good guy. Have you heard that before? How do you know that you stand a notch above that? There's a lie saying we don't have to do anything and we're all the same. But not all the same. Let me tell you today. The person who pray and the person who doesn't pray, there's a difference between them. The person who reads the word and the person who doesn't read the word, there's a difference between them. The person who holds on to God and the person who doesn't hold on to God, there's a difference between them. The person who walks in faith and the person who doesn't walk in faith, there's a difference between them. In heaven, even Jesus, do you know, we're not all going to be VIP in heaven. In heaven, there are going to be ranks. Some people are going to be seeing Jesus only on Independence Day. You know that? <laughs> I don't know how many of you have seen March pass. Like, <laughs> when the president is passing, you just say, Hey, President Buhari, you're waving from far behind. Some will be the elders making the laws. Some will be those people who have the Bible says those who win souls are wise. They'll have their crowns in heaven. Their crowns are adorned. The Bible talks about the 24 elders. The Bible talks about rank. We're not all the same. There's a presumption going around that Christians need to do nothing. It's all finished. We're all the same. That we don't have to pray with strength. Now just pray. God knows what's in your heart. Before you pray, he hears it. It's true. But why did Elijah have to pray with his head in between his legs. The Bible says Elijah, and he wasn't talking about in the Old Testament. He said, Elijah was a man just like you. And he prayed, putting his head in between his legs. Each time he sent his servant to go and see, is there any rain? The guy will come and say, sir, there's nothing. He sent his servant out seven times. How long do you think that prayer meeting took? 
to be someone who changes things you cannot be light and flighty you have to have resonance to be someone who changes a nation before Elijah became known as a prophet who turned the nation back to God he was a man of prayer Once again, I like Christianity light. There's something called Christianity light. It's like Oak light, Pepsi light. I like it. It's nice. It's easy. But can I tell you something? It's not true. It will not get you greatness. There are 6.7 billion people on the earth. They said, some people said numbers hitting 7 billion now, right? What makes you think you're special? Why are you special? Why you? Why would God choose you to bear his revelation? Don't forget the Bible says whosoever wills may come. Actually, you can elect yourself today and decide I'm not going to be a frivolous Christian ever again. I'm going to be a serious believer. And once you make that decision, guess what happens? Presumption begins to evaporate. And in your journey towards God, in your openness towards God, in your yieldedness towards God, God begins to pour something out on you. But you have to make that decision. That's how conviction is built. Conviction is built, first of all, by a decision. You stand up and say, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to find God. I'm going to pursue righteousness. This is what I desire. This is what I want most. It may not be what I feel, but if God wants it, then I, that's what I want. Because everybody does it, I don't have to do it. Do you understand? Everybody does it. One of the ways to lose conviction is to feel like, well, everybody's doing it, so I have to do it. That's the opposite of con conviction, that's exactly presumption. If you go against the grain of what everyone is doing, like it's easy. Now, it's easy to not keep to time. If you want to keep to time, you have to what? Work. It's easy to sleep around. If you don't want to sleep around, you have to what? You guys are not cooperating this morning now because I'm not, I know it's not a chandelier to chandelier message, but let's cooperate together. It's the truth. So it's, it's, it's easy to take what doesn't belong to you. If you don't want to take what belongs to you, you have to sacrifice and hold back. It's easy to give someone a piece of your mind when you are angry. If you want to hold back, you have to what? Discipline. You have to work. You have to work. It's easy to, to come to church and sit down like everybody else. But if you want the church to work, you have to what? Now, it's, it, a lot of things are it's easy. It's easy to destroy. If you want to build, you have to what? Work. It's a principle of God. Don't let anyone change you on this principle. The journey with God. If you want to walk with God, if you want to do anything eternal, he must make a demand on you. That's one of the ways to jump over presumption. 
the way to jump over presumption is to arise and shake yourself and begin to do. That's the message I brought this morning. And I want someone this morning to say, yes, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to begin. I've been lazy. Laziness is the thief of conviction. Some of us know the right thing, but we don't do it because we're lazy. If you want to build right convictions, number one thing, building convictions, let me give you these tools. Number one thing. Trust your spiritual check. That's number one thing. God is going to give you a check in your spirit about things you need to do. Trust your spiritual check. That's number one. Trust your spiritual check. Number two. Don't follow what looks good. Check again. Number one. Trust your spiritual check. Number two. Don't follow what looks good. Check again. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end is death. Number three. Don't act in anger or frustration. If you want to be led of the Spirit, one of the ways to be led of the Spirit is to make sure that you are not acting on impulse or anger or frustration. Because those things cloud your judgment. Number four, sensitivity. You need to be sensitive. That's the number, that's the most important thing, sensitive. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Bible says when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will teach you all things. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness because the devil has been cast out. God is actually planning a time to come when he is going to work in our hearts to work his own work in us. So that's exactly what we need. Presumption defeats what God wants to do. He pushes us away. And to live by convictions, we need to let's take let's take a little example of a man called Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, as we round up. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Before we know what was happening, this was actually like executive cuisine in Babylon. The king's meat was full of delicacies. You can just say like, come on, Daniel, why do you want to be rude against the king? The king has actually just, first of all, they were even slaves. He chose them among slaves. Daniel, Shadrach, um, Meshach and Abednego. He chose them among slaves. You understand? And, go, and they begin to give them food. And then Daniel woke up one day and said, well, I don't like the king's food. 
But that's not what he did. He called the eunuchs aside. And the Bible says God has given him favor. So he was very wise about it. Called the eunuch and said, let's, let's, make, let's make an experiment. Give me lean vegetables. You know, I'm sure vegetarians love this particular part of scripture. Give me vegetables. Let me eat for 10 days. And I don't want to eat all the pork, all the big king's meat, which were dedicated to idols. I want to focus on God. The reason why he refused to eat the king's meat was not just because he wanted to be rude or because he wanted to have a different opinion. It was because he was a consecrated man and he felt like anything coming inside of him needs to be consecrated. He was taking account of what was coming into him. If you ever want to live for God, you must take account of what comes into you. Into you. This is one of the ways to build your conviction. What comes into you? What do you hear? What do you see? What are you a part of? What do you believe? What do you immerse in? These are the things that build your convictions. Daniel said, I have determined I will not defile myself with the king's rich mate. I'll rather stay with the people of God. The next person was Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 26, verse 4 to 20, we read the story. Well, if I say you guys should go home and read it, will you read it at home? No. So let's read it, right? Okay, so let this be the Bible verse we read. So you won't say I preached and I didn't read from the Bible. I've been reading a lot of scriptures, but, you know, let's read this one. Acts 26, 4. Who has it? Acts 26, 4. You have it? Who has it? Acts 26, 4. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation of Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify. That's according to the strict text set of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise are twelve tribes, earnestly serving God for night and day, hope to attain. For this purpose, for this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Uh, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. Then this I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints are shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. So, why those occupied? As I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road, 
I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who joined with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, So, so, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 16. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I like his voice as well. It's a deep baritone of how managed to her. Thanks, <laughs> Did you hear that story about Saul? He persecuted the church. He, he cast his vote against the Christians. He locked them up in prison. He oppressed them. What he knew, he presumed he was serving God, but was fighting against God's order. That's presumption. So sometimes presumption is not a weak thing. It's actually quite strong. Many people who don't believe in God, who believe in their own version of God, don't know that what they believe is wrong, but they're actually holding on to very strong. Have you, have you tried to argue with atheists before? One day I fell on atheist.com. I wrote an article that they now started dissecting. They uploaded my article and started dissecting it. You know, that was not going to be good. So it was, it was on Thanksgiving dinner. It was on Thanksgiving, one of those Eve of Thanksgiving. So I fell into ethage.com. So they were saying we give thanks. And I said to them, now, who are you giving thanks to? Oh, so we give thanks to the human spirit. <laughs> <laughs> they believe it. Some of them actually believe it. But believing it doesn't mean it's right. Paul believed. He believed what he was doing, but it was wrong. He took Christians and locked them up. Ask yourself, what is it that you believe that may have been wrong? For you to be a powerful Christian, this is the one thing you need to do. Your strong opinions doesn't mean that they are necessarily right. You need to test your opinions. This is how to form your opinions. They have to be backed by revelation and from the Bible. Paul himself, a heavenly vision came. But not only the heavenly vision, he saw it in the word. And God began to show him. Many Muslims who give their lives to Christ, these days there's a lot of stories about Muslims coming from the Muslim world, Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, where the angels are appearing to them, administering to them the gospel of salvation. And when you hear some of the accounts, it's very amazing how God takes them through the journey of deconstructing what they already believed. One of the ways God does it is actually by Jesus Christ himself introducing himself to them and taking them back to the Bible. God doesn't do anything outside his word. The revealed body of the word of God is enough to generate conviction for you. Some of you are so in the quest for knowledge, you go and read the six and seven books of Moses. Some of you are reading apocryphal books and quoting them. Some of you read the Dalai Lama books and quoting them. You don't even know your Bible. 
we are going to read extra canonical books and adding them so you can look like somebody who is very wise and argumentative you can say to the people i read the quran one day i tried to do it so i went and read found this book in the light of truth by abdul roshin the grill message and i read it and by the time this i read like three four chapters the next morning i woke up and i couldn't pray i was thinking about this and like ah what if this guy is true what if he said what he said and, and the questions he was asking is what if jesus was not the only prophet what if jesus was one of the prophets the lights the perfect light sent from god that's what it was that was his claim in the book what if jesus was only a shaft of the light what if there were other lights and i woke up in the morning and started thinking what if there are other lights and guess what he did i couldn't pray couldn't pray for a few days until I had to yank myself like, no, 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 there are no other lights, please. No other lights. <laughs> no other lights. Paul, a man of God, had to be struck down for him to hear the word of God. For him to meet the real Jesus. Is it possible some of your strong opinions are inaccurate? They may well be they don't line up with the word of God. Here's a comparison between Paul and Dan Saul before he became Paul and Daniel. So Saul was knowledgeable. Remember the Bible says he was a student of Gamaliel. Say concerning the law, he was blameless. He had credentials. He was a man of pedigree. So Saul was very knowledgeable. But Daniel was very what? Saul was a man of religion. He followed the high priest. He did everything they wanted. But Daniel was a man of Saul. He knew God's stories. He knew everything that happened in the Old Testament, everything that happened in the New Testament. He knew how they connected. He knew church history. Have you met some professors? I've met some of those kind of professors. Very knowledgeable. But Daniel, he had what? Daniel perceived Daniel, don't forget, Daniel was also a very intelligent man. They said that concerning the wisdom of administration in Babylon, there was none found like Daniel. He had an excellent spirit. He had like he was like a man of pedigree, he was that kind of guy. He lasted through four different administrations. People used to say Professor Jerry Ghana was like a Daniel kind of guy. You know, Professor Jerry Ghana, whatever administration came and went, he was always somehow in the government. You know, people liken Daniel to that kind of person. He was the kind of person that anyone who came could walk with. It was intellectual jukebox. But that was not his, his biggest thing. But he had a heart for God. His heart was tender towards God. Saul had reputation among men. He was known among the high priests. He was a persecutor. He had, he had this NGO. He had this pushy thing that he did. He was actually out there in the public with everyone. But Daniel had a reputation where? In heavenly places. Saul was moving by presumption. Daniel was moving by revelation. He said by revelation he knew that 70 years had come when the children of Israel were supposed to leave Babylon. Since then he set his eyes to pray and to seek God's face. And started to say, God, it is time. What was he praying? Say, God, it is time. What was he praying? So, conviction comes out of the knowledge of the prophetic. 
presumption comes out of the, the knowledge of your ideas Consum conviction comes out of the knowledge of the prophetic what has God declared what has God said because Daniel was stepping on the prophecy of Jeremiah Jeremiah said that the children of Israel are going to be in Babylon how long 70 years all the other prophets are saying seven years Jeremiah said go there build houses plant vineyards marry wives have children because you're not coming back until 70 years Daniel was reading the Bible one day doing a study of times and seasons one day and stumbled upon the fact that the 70 years had come what did Daniel start to do the Bible says Daniel started to fast and to pray and to seek God's face he fasted for 21 days three weeks what was Daniel fasting for restoration of Israel say it again why Israel's had, Israelites had become slaves Israelites had become what do we do our own 21 day fast for yeah you can see compare honestly I don't believe in 21 days fast except it's something bigger than yourself except it's something earth breaking except something is going to shift the nation Daniel fasted for 21 days. And the Bible says, God sent an angel. Man, this guy, this guy was a man of conviction. He's, Daniel is the kind of person you, every one of you should go and study. But the Bible also says that before he fasted, three times every day, he opened his windows towards Jerusalem. So that when they were looking for an offense, they couldn't find any criminal record in his book. They couldn't find any file in his dossier. They couldn't find anything against him. They said the only way we can find something against Daniel is through his faith walk with God. Let's stop him from praying. They made a law because of Daniel so that he won't be able to pray. The Bible says when Daniel saw that they had made the law, Daniel went back as he used to say. <laughs> He, and some of you will call it legalistic it wasn't legalistic right this guy had revelation because I can imagine how he went back like they made the law the guy just went back like what are you thinking I'm going to do I remember once when I had some difficulty to arrive somewhere and I felt like when I arrived there maybe I shouldn't do what God wanted me to do again and when I arrived I prayed the next morning God says you're going to do what I said you should do I said hey I should go ahead he said oh, come on go ahead that's what Daniel was like when they made the law and said no more prayer Daniel woke up the next day and what did he do? he started to pray I feel like his, his prayer time was so cold so hot so vibrant so alive so electric that he didn't it was like his life it was like the most interesting part of his life you know I went I went for a party yesterday night the party was an absolute waste of my time Everybody was dressed in white, all sitting down there. I could endure it for up to up to two hours. All the songs were dry. Everybody was dry. They were probably rich, but I couldn't care because it was dry. It was so dry. Ah! Yeah, Bangy W has come with his wife. Everybody's like, "Oh, I want to dedicate this song to Bangy W." I'm like, and then the kiss, and then then. Um, 
Not like, I, not like I have anything against him personally. It wasn't like him. It was just that the party was dry. Sure. After I stood up, I was like, everyone was like, ah, where are you going now? Where are you going? This is so... It was so lit for everybody, but it was dark for me, right? <laughs> Daniel had... A, a fervency with God, a sweetness of spirituality, a certain knowledge of God, and the presence of God was not boring to him. Spiritual things were not boring to Daniel. He bubbled over with life every time he came to the presence of God. It's like, God, where were you? And God would tell him, let me take you on the journey. You know God is not boring, right? God would take him and show him one new planet. Say, this is, this is, this is Zoroastra. <laughs> I, this is my new object of attention let me show you how water bodies can live together with cloud and they can form together in the planet you know God is inno the first innovator some of you think like God is dry no you don't know him he's the devil who darkens the idea of God and when you think about him all you can think is a boring old guy who wears old clothes sits in a the other day i was singing a song a dry song we sing about god ancient of days as old as you are you never change ancient we sing the song dry god is fresh before you arrive in tomorrow he's already there before you arrive in the year 2050 he has already created it he's the one who is making the new the new young generation who are going to be cool tomorrow he's the one designing it god is not dry at all daniel uncovered this and when they made a law no more prayers like how to pray Say, give me you. Everything else can wait. He came in the morning. Give me you. Everything else can wait. Give me you. I hope I'm not too late. Lord, give me you. Lord, it's me, oh Lord. I'm on my knees crying out to you. Says, he, David understood this. He came in the morning. says, from the rising of the sun to its going down. God's name shall be praised. Enjoying God is the first way to know him. Do you enjoy God? If you never enjoyed God, you never met him. I was angry with some people I was praying for and preaching to one day. And said to God, these people don't like you. They don't want you. And God said to me, if they met me the way you did, they could never walk away. Do you love God? Do you enjoy him? That's where conviction comes from. Conviction comes from the love of God. Like I said, lover of my soul. Men will do things to you, even in God's name. But if you know God, you know God is bigger than the men who are doing things in his name. Churches will do things to you in God's name. But if you know God, you know that God is better than the church. The box in which man designed to put God in. We ourselves will not get it right sometimes in the tribe. Sometimes we will come and worship. We'll be dry. We'll be striving. All our musicians will go and choose the limelight and run away to something and be shining in the stars and dancing with the sun. 
they won't be here. And the few of us who are here will just do our best. It may not be the best worship, but guess what? If you know God, you know God is better than any song we give to Him. God is better than the Sunday morning. How many of you love God? How many God lovers are here? And if, if you're here, one of the things that happens to you as I talk about this, your heart will be, yeah, your heart will be tender. Your heart will be open. Your heart will be like, yeah, I know you. I love you. I worship you, my God. There's a difference between Saul and Paul. One was presumption. One was conviction. How do you worship God? Build your conviction today. Build. Build today. Build. Build a place for God. Build a house of living stones for Him. Let Him be your first love. Come to God today. Lift your heart to Him. Let him be your first love. He is better than the morning, than the rising of a day. Let him be your first love. Give me a heart that worship you. Give me a spirit that seeks your face. You will be my first love. You will never leave me. You will never set me away. You will be my first love. When it's dark and dreary And the night hours have come When sorrows puncture my heart When I work in loneliness You will be my first love Whether I have or I don't Whether I'm poor and I'm rich whether I live in abundance or poverty, you will be my first love. Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Do mountains rise up against me? Do war breaks out against me? You will be my first love. Sometimes I'm broken-hearted because he says he's not doing anymore because she says she found a new boyfriend and my heart is broken and I'm hungry for more but you will be my first love you will be my first love. Everywhere is dry, religion fills the land. 
those who call your name do not call upon you in truth everything is dry in the worship of Yahweh that you will be my first love and when I stand upon the mountain or fall down in the valley when I go far away from home you will be my first love God you're everything to me you're the object of my desire the one who galvanizes my heart the one who convicts me and locks my heart in place therefore I can say my heart is firmly fixed on you I build my conviction on the revelation of the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself to me. You will be my first love. Sing it in your own way. Let's bring a sound this morning. Lift up your voice. Let's, do you know a sound is not a song? Is 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 something you 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 declare in your own way? Please let's not keep quiet this morning, every one of us. Please, guys, wait. Why, guys, wait, wait. Don't put your face down. Lift up your face. Lift up your face. There are sometimes the messages are not designed for like this. Sometimes they're designed for like this. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up both hands. Please indulge me. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Break a sound from inside your heart. I don't care where you are. Whatever you're going through, reach out beyond that place. God wants to bless you today. God wants to take you past that point. He says, I want to build conviction. I want you to know. I need you to know that I am with you. I need you to know that I am your God. I need you to know that I, that I want to lock it in place that I am with you. I am your God. I have to be your first love. I have to be your first love. Regardless of what you're going through, I will be your first love. I will be your first love. Say something to God. Say, Lord, even though the hills are difficult, even though the mountains are difficult, even though where I am right now is tough, even though I'm going through difficulty, even though I'm having it good, even though life is good right now, that you are the love I see, you are the love I feel, you are my everything, you are my God I live for you.
but sometimes the nights are too dark sometimes the atmosphere around us is too thick sometimes the hopelessness is real sometimes we don't know where to look there seems to be no no purpose to everything you are the Lord of our lives you are the love of my life you will be my best love
Father, we declare our love for you. Someone here wants to declare. You want to tell God you love him. You want to tell God you want to walk by conviction. You want to walk by that certainty of the fact that he is at work in you. You want to make your Christianity real. You want to make your faith true. You want to make your faith authentic. You want to be the real deal. You want to be a true Christian, a true believer who doesn't act by impulse, by emotion, by, by data, but just acts by conviction. You want to be someone who God has punished their heart, who God has revealed truth to, who God has caused to walk in the deep secrets of his kingdom, who understands the heart of God and walks with God. You want to be that person, just say, God, I want to be, I want to be. I want to be someone of conviction. I want to be a woman of conviction. I want to be a man of, of conviction. I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a woman of belief, of strong belief. I want to build in you. I want to be that person who anchors in you, oh God. That's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. Father, see these sons and daughters of righteousness, these women and the men you brought here today. You love them deeply. You are a father of love. And you want this people to walk knowing your heart. Father, I pray for everyone here. You take from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. They have that moves when you moves. A heart that feels what you feel that knows, that resonates your heartbeat. Father, remove from everyone here a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. In Jesus' name. got to church by the way so please don't judge me um before i share the announcements i just want to share a very quick testimony this is i almost didn't make it to church this morning um this week this past week i okay for the past three weeks i fell ill at some point which doesn't really happen to me so i knew that i was really stressed out but then it um developed into gas being in my in my tummy and at first i thought it was just gas well it was just gas until it developed into ulcer um tuesday night i was asleep because okay when the gas developed in my tummy i felt it literally roll like a ball to this side of my tummy and it was just there the pain was just there it was just you know i took it as just something that was just random that okay it'll come and it'll go away as with 
as is what always happens to me. Things just come and then just go. I have I don't really have to do anything. I don't have to treat myself, go to the hospital, things like that don't happen to me. And then it got worse. So Tuesday night I was asleep and um, I was sleeping, but then around 2.30, 3 o'clock a.m., I, my mom calls it a gas attack, but then I couldn't breathe. I tried to roll over in my sleep and this fierce pain just gripped me like it was really bad. I couldn't move, I couldn't breathe, but then I, I was struggling, I was literally struggling. And then I fell off my bed and everything, it was like a movie. It was just, you know, and then I couldn't breathe at some point. My sister and my mom, they're running wild and all. My mom was desperately trying to give me warm water to sip and all of that. But then pain, you know, it continued. And then I, I still, even after that, I still waved it off. The next night it happened again, so I had to go to the hospital. They did different, um, different scans, different tests. Um, the doctor was telling me, he was really scaring me. He told me, he said, it may be, you know, symptoms of hepatitis. He told me it, would be, it could be a gallbladder infection. It could be ulcer. It could be cold. <laughs> After what I told his mom, you're a joker. You can't be telling me all these things. But then, you know, they did a scan and then they still, you know, it was still a speculation. But then everything that came, all their speculations, it came down to also. I still don't believe it, you know. And um, I'm still believing God that, you know, it's going to go away. But anyway, I've been taking drugs religiously, which is something I do not do. And then this morning, I, I, I got up around 3 a.m. to work. And I worked, you know, till... The morning, I started getting ready for church. Actually, I was just looking forward to where I started getting my bath ready. Everybody in the house left. Told everybody, bye, bye, bye. I'll lock the house. I'll drop the key here. And then this pain miraculously gripped me again. I haven't felt this pain since the last time I went to the hospital. It was even easing off. And then this morning, you know, I, I almost ran mad because I was just like, I'm the only one in the house. I'm the one holding the key. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to me, you know. I, you know, my first instinct was, oh my God, I'm not going to make it to church. I'm not going to take announcements. What am I going to do? And my next instinct was that I had to fight because I couldn't just go down like that. I mean, I felt like it was just only me and God inside that whole room. And I fought, I crawled my way through to, because we have a baby in the house. There's a tray of Cerillac milk, a flask of hot water. I crawled, I pulled it down, everything fell on me. But then I literally slipped, sipped the hot water, my tongue is seriously burnt, from the flask and um, it eased off a bit. I'm still in so much pain, but I said I had to make it to church today. But then, I don't know, as I was on my way here, God just said, I don't know whatever it is that you're going through, but sometimes you just have to fight. You have to fight your way through it. You know, God will be with you, but he needs you to fight as well. All right, so you're welcome to church. That's my little testimony. Thank God. <laughs> You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.